in the book of Philippians, chapter 4. This morning I began to look at this particular epistle that Paul wrote during his prison ministry. And he mentioned in various ways the fact of joy, that he had joy even being in prison. How could that be? Why was that? Well, we began to look at this and to see that Paul recognized, though the, there, are, there can be suffering in this present day, he looked forward, he looked toward the Lord Jesus Christ and recognized that, yes, the trials will come. God said they would. Remember, right at Paul's coronation, the moment he was a believer, uh, the Lord showed him how many things he must suffer for his namesake. And so Paul knew that it was coming. He knew that the suffering would come, and yet he recognized that he had to continue on in his ministry for Christ, but he looked forward to the day when he would be with Christ, when the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. We also looked at what the Lord Jesus Christ said. Remember, he was talking to his Jewish disciples, and he let them know that he was leaving, he's going away. And once he went away, troubles would come upon them. There would be uh, great difficulties. And he let them know that in this world, they, they would expect trouble, tribulation. The word tribulation is to squeeze, to press down, be, to be in distress. Expect tribulation, but realize this, that I have overcome the world. So we could trust him. And so we looked at this also in the New Testament. For New Testament Christians, it was true of an Old Testament believer. It's true of a New Testament believer that we, you and I, should expect trouble in this world. Now, it's not only trouble from external sources, from people coming upon us, but also we can expect trouble internally, physically, mentally. Um, you know, today, uh, mental issues are bigger than they've perhaps ever been before. Perhaps ever before, to my knowledge at least. All of the medications that people uh, are, are taking today because of pressures, because of illnesses, all the medications and the warnings that come with them, be careful if you have suicidal thoughts taking this medication, and it goes on and on and on. The pressures are going to come, and we need to expect them externally, internally, physically. Uh, the world is in dire straits physically. We know that to be true as well. What, what's going on? Well, there's preservatives and you name it. They're serving us uh, things that uh, a good dog wouldn't eat sometime. But people are consuming these things. There's, there's things in some of the fast foods that never leave your body. They just keep making the loop until they get stuck somewhere and it takes you out. And, uh, you know, I, I'm exaggerating a, a little bit, but you, you get the message. We, we're to expect troubles. So we expect it. We don't, it's, it doesn't hit us blindsided. It doesn't shock us. Uh, people are not going to like you if you live godly in Christ Jesus. There's going to be a, a, a pressure, is there not? And, and you have experienced it, I have experienced family pressures, unsafe family members. I, I, uh, my, my parents are no longer with us any longer. I do not know if they were Christians when they died. They both made a profession. I do not know if they were or they were not. Uh, but I remember them uh, calling me up one day from work. Could you come to our house for dinner? I, 
never expected, yes, well, I can do that. And there was a list of reasons why they didn't like me anymore. A list of them. It was heartbreaking. But all the reasons surrounded Christ. All of them. It's heartbreaking. Now, maybe you haven't been to that extreme, or maybe you will face that extreme, but realize when you stand for Christ, all who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. It's going to happen. And if you don't have any, maybe you ought to look in what's going on in your life. Maybe you're not living for the Lord. See, If people aren't angry with you, if you don't have people upset at you at times, maybe you're not living with the Lord, for the Lord. Or if you are, then expect it's going to come. It's just going to come. And so Paul has been letting us know that, listen, we expect it. Don't, don't, don't be shaken when it soon, when it comes. Uh, Peter said that, did he not? Uh, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 4 for a moment. We're coming back. 1 Peter chapter 4. In 1 Peter chapter 4. Notice what he says in... Um, verse uh, 12. He says, 1 Peter 4:12, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to test you as though some strange thing happened to you. You're supposed to expect it. A fiery trial's coming. Don't shun from it. That doesn't mean you want it to come. Who wants to face trials? No one. But realize when they come, it's part of Christ the Christian life. It's part of what God said. We're to expect it. But what does God want us to do? Fold up like a cheap suit. Go and cry somewhere. Get all, all sad and hide in the corner. No. You live above that. You live beyond that. Why? Because we're to expect it. And Christ wants us to be a testimony, does he not? God wants us to honor him, to recognize, listen, these things are going to come upon you, and when they do come upon you, you're supposed to live for the Lord Jesus Christ and show forth him. We're in 1 Peter. Turn with me to chapter 3. Chapter 3. Peter's letting his disciples know, his uh, readers know, in 1 Peter 3.13. And who is he that will harm you if he be followers of that which is good? So if you're doing the right thing, chances are very good that you're not going to run into people coming trying to harm you. However... Verse 14, but if you suffer for righteousness, uh, but if you suffer for righteousness sake, happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your heart. Set him apart in your heart, the right place. He's up front. He's the buffer, if you would. He's the one that, uh, he's going to take that brunt for me through the Spirit of God. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man uh, that asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. See, if you fold up when the troubles come, you're no different than the world. What hope do you have if you're folding up all the time? What hope do you have if you're always in great distress? If you're always whining and crying about the problems in your life, what hope do you have to show anyone that you're a Christian? You have none. You, you have none. You have nothing to stand on. I thought you believe your God. I thought you trust your God. That's what they'll say to you. But if you set them a place apart in your heart and you show that you have hope and hope is assurance with meekness and fear, 
then they'll ask a reason for the hope that is within you. And you want to make sure, verse 16, having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse you of your manner of life in Christ. See, that's going to happen, is it not? It's going to happen. People will falsely accuse you. Expect it. Well, what do you do about that? Continue on. Remember who you belong to. Remember whose you are. Recognize that these things come upon us. And notice, please, in verse 17, for it is better if the will of God be so that you suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. So we see this coming upon us. So what are we going to do? Well, we're going to live for Christ. And I look to him. I look for what? This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. God has a place for me. All my blessings are not here on earth. And that's what saddens, I'm afraid, many materialistic Christians. If they don't get their piece of the pie here, it breaks their heart. Wait a minute. You weren't promised even a slice of it. Not even a thin slice. Someone made me a chocolate cream pie the other day, and my wife gave me a thin slice. I didn't know you could cut chocolate cream pie so thin that you could see through it. I did not know. Uh, listen, that's your piece of the pie on earth. With food and raiment, be content. Your blessings are in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. They're not here. Whatever you have, just thank God for it. Just thank him for everything you have. But don't expect that you're going to get your share here. It's not true. And there are Christians, God blesses, and we're thankful for that. And usually they're people with the gift of giving because they use that money and they just keep giving and giving to others and helping others. And then there's some Christians who uh, have a lot and don't share with anyone. Well, they'll give account for that before the Lord. Why? Because God blesses us with that we may be a blessing to others. So Paul now, Paul has been going through all of this situation and he wants the Christians at Philippi to recognize that they have a responsibility. And we're, we're in Philippians chapter 4 now, please. Back with me to the book of Philippians in chapter 4. He wants them to concentrate not on the sufferings, not on the present situations of life, but rather to concentrate on those things which are Christ-like. And he writes um, in uh, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8, finally, the word here is the rest. He's giving them the rest of the information here. Here's what I want you to do, he says. I want you to concentrate on this. What things? Well, he said, finally, brethren, whatever things are true. Now, what is he referring to there? Well, the truth there has to do with that which is genuine, that which is of God-like character. He's the one true God. His word is true. His spirit is true. The church is true. Concentrate on those things that are true. Finally, my brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are honest or, or noble, some translations have, uh, the venerable dignity and character and position. It's, it's, a, it's a, a person who has a character about him that's Christ-like. Remember we discussed this this morning just for a few minutes, that the church was to look for, among them for seven men 
of honest report, a noble report. Uh, Paul told Timothy, if a man seeks after the office of an elder, he seeks an honorable or noble position. Though the world sees it as, as something to make fun of. Uh, uh, people see it as something to belittle a minister. Did you ever see the, the, these modern day things? The ministers are always drunkards or cheats or liars or thieves. Well, maybe the ministers they know are like that. But that's not what God calls for. That's not what God calls for. God calls for us to be a, a position of nobility or honesty, if you would, uh, a person that God esteems highly for their work's sake. And so we recognize that we are to look for the honest things. And then, whatever things are just. Now, we're not only looking for the good things, but the excellent thing. So you want you go beyond the good. Uh, I know in my life I've had to settle on several occasions. Well, that's good enough. That's the best I can expect. But then there are things where that good is not the best you can expect. Excellent is the best you can expect. And you ought to look for it. We ought to look for the excellent things of life. And that's what the, the reference here, whatever things are just. What kind of things are just? Well, uh, I'll give you a couple passages of scripture. The word just here is the right things. They're conformable to that which is within biblical truth that's just before God and before men. For example, in Micah 6, 8, what does the Lord require of thee? To do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Are you a just person? Am I a just person? Can people say, uh, I don't like the guy, <laughs> but he's a just man? I've, I've had that occasion at work on, on several different occasions, the places that I've worked, that maybe the people didn't care for you if you talked to them about the Lord, and that usually happened. All of a sudden, he's a Jesus freak. He's a holy roa. I mean, you, you hear all this stuff. On several occasions in my toolbox were filthy magazines and filthy sayings and nasty letters. I, I, I got all kinds of stuff. Uh, the company I worked for would send me to various companies. And if, if someone mentioned something, I would just tell them I was in the ministry. And, oh, it was terrible, the things that happened. But uh, you expect it. You expect those things to happen. Now, they could say what they wanted about me but I always wanted to have a testimony. Is he a just man? And I think they need to say that. I think they need to say that. Why? Because we want to be careful that we are. What does God require of you? To walk justly. It's not an option. You can't do what you want. God says something you have to do, and that's to walk justly. In Revelation chapter 15 and verse 3, I won't have you turn there. Angels and men sing to the glory of the great God, and here's what they sing. Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are thy ways. Just and true. That's what God wants from us. Justice. He wants us to be just people uh, before him. We're always to ask, this thing, whatever it is I'm thinking about or whatever direction I'm heading in or whatever I'm considering, is it in harmony with the will and the word of God? If you always ask that, you won't run into trouble. You, won't, you just won't run into trouble. 
is it in harmony with the will and the word of God? If you go beyond that, if you have question, Romans 14 says don't do it. He that has doubt is condemned if he participate. Why? Because it's not part of God's will. You want to make sure that you back off and wait to see. Now, uh, Paul encourages them, not only are they to look for the just things, but the pure things, whatever things are pure. Uh, the word there, pure, is just what you think. It's freedom from defilement or impurities. It's unpolluted, or the scripture uses the, uh, the term unstained. Keep yourself unstained from the world. Uh, and Peter mentions that in 1 Peter 2, uh, 1, 22. Uh, he said, you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Holy Spirit. How do you purify your soul? Well, I'm just going to lock myself in the closet. No, no, you're going to lock you're going to lock a nasty person in there with you, and that's you. I mentioned to you when you travel to Israel and you go down into uh, Wadi Kelt, it's the road that goes from Jerusalem down into uh, Jericho, and Wadi Kelt, there's a giant Greek monastery down, and it's built right into the side of a mountain. And if you look close enough, when you're looking down in this great crevasse down into it's probably, I don't know, four or five hundred feet deep. If you look down there into this great crevasse down below, you see in the side of the hills windows built right into the side of the hills. And the Greek uh, priests would go in there and wall themselves up from the world so they would not get involved with sin. But it's pitiful, is it not? You can't avoid sin. It dwells in you. It dwells in you. And you need to recognize, I need to turn that over to God. What do I need to do? Purify my soul in obeying the truth. And how does that work? Through the Spirit. I can't hide. I can't hide the worlds all around me. I need to walk in truth in the pure things. The book of Hebrews tells us, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. What's that water? It's the washing of water by the word of God. That's the only way you'll be cleansed. It's the only way you can be cleansed. You can't do it with yourself. I, I'm going to, I'm, I'm just going to fight. It's not a new leaf. It's a new life. It's a life in Christ. It has nothing to do with the externals. It has everything to do with the internals. Paul told Timothy, keep thyself pure. Keep thyself pure. That's a battle, isn't it? Sure is. Because it's not just the external things, it's what's going on in the old cranium. You ever battle that? Your own mind. Oh, boy. It's a battle, is it not? 1 John 3, 3. Every man that has this hope in Christ purifies himself even as he is pure. See, we're to look for the pure things. And where is that? That's in Christ. I can be pure in Christ via the Spirit of God by the washing of wa the Word of God. And then he says things that are lovely. Whatever things that are lovely. What's a lovely thing? Well, you think about flowers in the spring. You know, well, that might be lovely, but they die, right? 
Winter's coming. It's going to kill them all. Is it talking about external things? Well, you go up to the mountains and look at those lovely mountains. Aren't they beautiful? A beautiful field. Well, first of all, the mountains are there because of the curse, right? It's a cursed world. They're not lovely. They're horrible. That was a result of God's final judgment upon the earth in uh, the Noahic flood. Well, what about the field? There's life and death going on all the time in that field, on top of the ground and underground. We live in a cursed world. That's not the lovely things you to think about. Say, well, I think about my wife. No. Uh, well, yeah, that's good. That's a good thing. But what are the lovely things God wants us to con concentrate on? Well, he mentions that uh, in uh, the in the book of, well, we'll turn there in just a moment, but recognize uh, the lovely things. First of all, it's those things that are accepting, pleasing, agreeable, constructive. It's interesting, the only time this word is used in the New Testament in this way is right here. It's it. You try and chase it around, you can't find it anywhere else. It's the only place it's used in the New Testament. What does Paul tell us? Well, he tells us to abstain from evil, corrupt conversation, evil, corrupt viewing, and evil and corrupt communications. Set no one clean thing before your eyes. You shouldn't be looking at that. I don't know about you folks, but we are really struggling limited on what you can look at. Huh? Isn't it true? I, th I think we, we, we kind of like the house and garden thing and all that, and, and you get on there and there's two people together, and no, they should, that, that shouldn't be, but there they are trying to buy a house. It, uh, there they are uh, in, in different areas, different ways, in, 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 in different stations. There's so little you can focus on anymore. Why is that? Well, because the world is headed in that direction, and God tells us that we need to be careful, abstain from those things. And then a book, in the book of Ephesians, I won't have you turn there either. We're going to be turning in a moment. But he says, fornication and all uncleanness and covetousness, let it not be once named among you, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which is not fitting, but rather the giving of thanks. See, instead of thinking on those things, set your mind on the lovely things. And what are the lovely things? Well, God says... His word is the pure thing. His word is the lovely thing. Turn with me just for a moment to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You're very familiar with this passage. What is a lovely thing? Well, a lovely thing, of course, is uh, the word of God and my relationship. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, my relationship to the word of God. Do I consider God's word primary? Do I allow my thinking to be fixed upon his word and not upon the things of this world? Now, we're not talking about, you know, you're always looking up with your hands clasped together. We're not talking about that. You live in the world. You have to function in the world. You work in the world. Everything about that. We go shopping. Everything that is, is part of the world, we're in it with the world. However, where is my thinking? Is it in, on the world and the things of the world, or is it the things of Christ? We see that in 1 Corinthians 13. Look with me, please, uh, right in uh, verse 5. 1 Corinthians 13 and in verse 5. 
talking about love. Verse 4, love suffers long and is, is kind. Love does not envy. It does not vaunt or boast or brag. Uh, it is not puffed up. It does not behave itself unseemly. It seeketh not its own, is not easily provoked. It thinketh no evil. You see, that's where they think on the lovely things. Don't concentrate on the evil that's within the world or that your own mind conjures up every once in a while. Erase that. Lord, I don't want to think on these things. Help me not to think on these things. Help me not to concentrate on these things. And the Spirit of God will give you the grace to do that if you submit. Now back, if we could, to the book of 1 Thessalonians, I mean, uh, to Philippians again. Paul says, with to think on the things that are lovely, and he says, the things that are of good report. The things that are of good report. Well, what are those things? Well, it's hardly the world, is it? I, I, uh, I'm interested in the uh, elections and what's going on. I'm concerned for our country and for my grandchildren particularly and uh, my children. I'm concerned about those things for them. But when you, um, when you try to listen to any of this, is any of that a good report? I haven't heard a good report from one of them yet. It, it, it just, it's, it's, it's tainted the whole business. And that's not only in the world, it's when you, when you travel anywhere, if you listen to the radio. I've, uh, I listen to the radio every once in a while, I'll listen to the sports channel, and uh, those people, they used to be okay, and now they're starting to talk filthy. I have to shut the thing off, I'm not interested in that. So God wants us to make sure that we are... Um, dwelling on or, or participating in and acting upon or thinking upon things that are of good report. Remember Paul told the church of Thessalonica, abstain from all appearance of evil, even the very appearance of it. We want to be of good report, not get involved with anything that even looks bad. And then in Acts 10, 22, Cornelius the centurion was a righteous man and one that fears God and of good report among the nation of the Jews. He was the one who rebuilt the synagogue up in, um, in Capernaum. Uh, he was of good report among the Jews, Cornelius, and God sent Peter to his house, you recall that? And then it says of Timothy, Timothy was well reported of by the brethren that were at Lystra. God wants us of a good report. And then back in Philippians now, chapter 4, I want you to see a summary statement by the great Apostle Paul. What, he wants us to think on these things, to concentrate, to set our affections on these things and not on things below. And all of this, of course, surrounds the Lord Jesus Christ, the walk in the Spirit by the Word of God. The whole business is Him. And then he mentions this in a, in a summary statement, he says, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. If there be any virtue, the word there is moral character. Uh, it has to do with ethical character, excellent uh, in character. It's being a, a, the right person before the Lord. It's, it's walking worthy of the vocation to which you were called. I was reading a, a couple of commentaries on this, and one of them was interesting. It's to be infused 
with moral and spiritual excellence. It's a package, a bundle. It's tight. This may sound silly, but I'll try and get to the point, and then you'll recognize what I'm talking about. When, uh, when I worked at a company in Burlington, Massachusetts, we made heat-sensing devices for natural gas supertankers. Um, this is when they were running these giant natural gas supertankers all over the world. And uh, they're very, very explosive, obviously. They're very, very uh, powerful. They can take out an entire city. And most of the ports of cities uh, are right there in the, in the heart of, of the, like, for example, downtown Providence. When a ship comes in, a container ship came in, our port isn't deep enough for natural gas supertankers. But if one blew up there, it would take out the whole city, the whole city of Providence. Boston, Massachusetts, my wife and I were with some friends on a boat, and we were riding in, uh, in Boston Harbor, all along the harbor, and a natural gas supertanker came in. And here came some Coast Guard people and, uh, with these massive flying-type boats. They were just zipping across the water. And one of the guys was on front with a machine gun, and he was telling you, get away, get away, get away as fast as you can. It was scary. I was eating a, a sandwich, and I just kept eating it fast. If I'm going to die, I might as well finish this sandwich, you know. It just, uh, but why? Because the super tanker is so deadly. Well, we were making heat-sensing devices for those, and they would go way down inside of the natural gas down into the bottom to make sure it wasn't somehow prematurely warming up. Well, to make this longer story just a bit longer, <laughs> um, it was a case probably as big as a shoebox, and it had vents in it and screens and filters, and of course it had wires and tubes that ran up to the surface, maybe three or 400 feet tall. Uh, and inside of this um, electrical box that sensed the heat, uh, it was potted with a, with a stiff pottery that was in there. It's a uh, uh, a black substance that would go down and just lock everything together. And then when we put these machine parts together, we had to wire tie all the screws. Every screw had a hole through it and had to be locked and twisted and tight so all these stainless steel screws could not come out. Why? Because it was so imperative that that thing be solid. That's what God's saying right here. Infused. Infused with virtue and moral character. Listen, this ought to lock you up tight. There ought, there ought not to be any leakiness in you. Why? Because you're infused with moral character. Why? Because of the wonderful person you are. It has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with who's in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so, Paul warns us, listen, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, you think on these things. Be locked down solid with the word of God. Don't allow the world to come in and to somehow uh, shift your thinking. Why? Because it's out there and that's what they want. Now listen, we, we need to realize, folks, I realize, you realize, evil seduces shall wax worse and worse. Men are going to get worse, and they are. And then he says this, doctrines of demons are coming, right? In the latter days, some shall depart from the faith doing what? Giving heed to doctrines of demons. Don't be shocked. Don't be shocked. It's here. The largest church in the United States denies the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. That shouldn't surprise you. It shouldn't surprise us. Why? Because these things are happening. And God said they would. So what do we do? We're not shocked. 
We're not going to be blindsided. We know what's happening. We expect it to come. But God wants us to continue on walking with him and honoring him. God wants us to be infused with moral character, ethical character, spiritual character. And it's all in him. It has nothing to do with you. Walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. If you don't walk in the spirit, guess what's going to happen? And listen, that can happen to any one of us at any time. Keep your hand here. We're coming right back. We only have a few minutes. Turn with me to uh, the book of 1 Peter for a moment, if you would. 1 Peter chapter 1. That's why Peter tells us to grow. You folks need to grow, he says. And Peter recognized that more than anyone, right? Peter, uh, Satan has desired you to shift, sift you like wheat, you and the rest of the disciples. But when you, Peter... When you are returned, strengthen the brethren. Strengthen the brethren. And here Peter's writing to strengthen the brethren. And he writes in, in the book of uh, 1 Peter, uh, chapter, uh, I'm sorry, chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter f- uh, fi- 5. It's not even that. What's wrong here? My pages keep moving. In 1 Peter, well, you know the section. He says, add to your faith. Help me find that, please. It's 2 Peter 1.5. Thank you. I don't have that written down. Yeah, 2 Peter 1.5. What does God want from us? God wants us to grow. I remember there was an old saying by word of life, grow so you don't groan. Well, Unfortunately, Word of Life started groaning a little bit, but uh, we need to grow so that we don't groan. And what does he want from us? Well, first, uh, Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 5. Besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge. Give all diligence. Virtue is moral character. It's excellent. How do you do that? It's only through the Spirit of God. That's the only way it is ever ever going to work. Now, all of this is God wants us to fill our, our minds, our hearts, our thoughts with, with biblical truth. And you can't do that on Sunday. Sunday brings it together. Sunday's the blender. Sundays when we get together as Christians, as born-again believers, and we get together, and the purpose of Sunday is to be edified together. When Pastor Rob teaches, or the Sunday school teaches, it, it blends it all together on Sunday. But see, all the ingredients have been coming together all week long because I've been reading. I've been looking at what God says. And now on Sunday, God will blend that whole thing together in your thinking, and that's what will produce the moral character. But there's many, many who, uh, if they read at home, it's hard to know if they really do. Why are they not interested in getting together? Why are they not interested in the Word of God? God wants us to recognize that all of this, all of this thinking needs to filter through the Word of God. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, 
Look at verse 3, a, a passage well known to you. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Um, it was the habit of Martin Luther, as well as other priests of the day, Roman priests, to flog themselves with whips and things. My flesh is, my flesh is terrible. If I can cut myself or beat myself enough to drive the sin out of that flesh, that's not the battle. There's a group, or there was a group, I don't know if there uh, exists today even, but they're called the Christadelphians. They believe that this, makes, this stuff makes you sin. This skin, that's what makes you sin. It's silly, folks. It's just plain silly. It's the thoughts of the heart, is it not? It's not the external, it's the internal. It's the thoughts of the heart. And Paul says this, Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. You can't kick it in the knee. You can't make yourself godly by hurting yourself or treating yourself with, to goods. None of that works. He says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or fleshly, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down every imagination and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing to captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. It's the word of God that does it. It's always the word. Remember Paul said, keep your heart with all diligence. <clears throat> For out of it are the issues of life. I'm sorry, the Proverbs say that. And the Lord Jesus said that. Out of the abundance of the heart the man, a man speaketh. We're to keep our mind fixed upon him. Now, how do we do that in this present world? Well, we do it the same way God prescribed to Paul, the same way Paul prescribed to Timothy, the same way God gave us in his word. Expect the trouble. Expect it. Don't allow it to sideswipe you. Oh, I don't deserve this. No, my friend, you deserve a lot worse than that. God's holding back. God's holding back. This, this shouldn't happen to me. Why not? It happened to the apostles. It happened to the prophets. It happened to our Lord Jesus Christ. And you think you're going to escape? Expect it. Now, there's varying degrees that come upon us. I mean, I'm not saying you, all of us are going to suffer uh, hung on a cross somewhere. No. But when the problems come in this world, realize... The Lord Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have distress. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Expect it. Expect it. Then when it comes, it won't be nearly as bad. I don't know about your household. It's between you and the Lord. But when, when uh, I expect something or I hear of something that may uh, befall us as a family, I always used to tell the family, listen, this is what could happen. And here's what we're going to do if it does happen. If it doesn't happen, all right. But I wanted them to be prepared for what could happen. When we're prepared, see, it's not such a shock. Prepare. Be ready. God said, in this world, you're going to have distresses. Then, continue on. Don't focus on the distress. Continue on. And remember who you, who you are. You're a child of the king. Live godly in Christ Jesus. If you sow a thought... You reap an action. If you sow an action, you reap a habit. 
make sure you're focused on God's word and not on the things of this world. I won't have you turn there. We're completely out of time. But the 119th Psalm says, Turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity and revive in me your way. Isn't that great? Take my eyes off vanity, Lord, and let me focus on you, David said. And then the 19th Psalm, a filling of the mind with the word of God brought Old Testament saints joy and peace, and it will bring you the same. For example, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is wise, is sure, rather, making wise the unlearned, naive, simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord are pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Paul told the Roman church, They that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And that's what Paul told the church at Philippi. If these things be in you, he told the, the, the church, Peter told uh, the folks in ending in First Peter, I mean in Philippians now, back to Philippians, just ending there, he said, if you seek diligently the good things, the righteous things, the true things, the, the profitable things, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. That's a promise from the word of God. If you don't have peace, you better examine what your focus is. What are you looking at? What are you concentrating on? What are you thinking on? Where are all your affections? The God of peace are on this world for stability. It's a very rocky foundation. Isn't that what the Lord Jesus said? He says, when you build your house, make sure you build it upon the rock. The sand is going to come crashing down. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your revealed truth. Thank you for your word. Father, you tell us to concentrate on the pure things, the pleasant things. And Lord, I speak for myself and for no one else perhaps in this room. When the events of the world press, pull, stretch my thinking, and my mind then goes back to you, that peace that passes all understanding uh, sets the right tone. So Father, help each one in this room to set our affections on things above and not on things in the earth. For we're dead and our life is hidden with God in Christ. And when he, Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall we also appear with him in glory. We pray in his name. Amen.